We begin today's show with a message of critical importance and urgency. Last Friday night, an unacceptable and racially targeted incident took place during the Duke-BYU women's volleyball match. Racial slurs and threats were directed at a Duke player, Rachel Richardson. She shared the following statement on Twitter, quote, Hello, my name is Rachel Richardson. I'm a sophomore on the Duke University women's volleyball team. Friday night in our match against Brigham Young University, my fellow African-American teammates and I were targeted and racially heckled throughout the entirety of the match. The slurs and comments grew into threats, which caused us to feel unsafe. Both the officials and BYU coaching staff were made aware of the incident during the game, but failed to take the necessary steps to stop the unacceptable behavior and create a safe environment. As a result, my teammates and I had to struggle to get through the rest of the game, instead of just being able to focus on our playing so that we could compete at the highest level possible. They also failed to adequately address the situation immediately following the game when it was brought to their attention again. No athlete, regardless of their race, should ever be subject to such hostile conditions. God has called each of us to be members of one body. While we may have our differences, they should never divide us. That said, I do not believe this is in any way a reflection of what the BYU athletes stand for. The girls on the team played a great game and showed nothing but respect and good sportsmanship on and off the court. Once notified, the BYU athletic director, Tom Holmo, was quick to act in a very respectful and genuine manner. He is at the forefront of ensuring that the BYU athletic staff and players undergo education and training to better handle and prevent the racist, ignorant, and asinine behaviors that were exhibited by their fans during the match. She continues, It is neither my nor Duke Volleyball's goal to call BYU athletics out, but rather to call them up. This is not the first time this has happened in college athletics, and sadly, it likely will not be the last time. However, each time it happens, we as student-athletes, coaches, fans, and administrators have a chance to educate those who act in hateful ways. This is the opportunity to dig deep into closed cultures which tolerate amoral racist acts such as those exhibited Friday night and change them for the better. It is not enough to indicate that you are not racist. Instead, you must demonstrate that you are anti-racist. My team and I were fortunate enough to go through a long talk, which is an educational series on the roots of racism and how to be an activist in not just dealing with racism, but preventing and ending it. This helped to equip us to deal with the situation in a mature manner rather than to react in a retaliatory manner. I want to express my gratitude to the Duke Athletics Administration for being quick to act on my team's behalf. Additionally, I'd like to thank my coaching staff and teammates for immediately dealing with the situation to the best of their ability the minute they were made aware of it. Further, I would like to thank anyone who has reached out to make me aware that you stand with us. Finally, I understand some people would have liked more to happen in the moment, such as an immediate protest and refusal to play on. Although the heckling eventually took a mental toll on me, I refused to allow it to stop me from doing what I love to do and what I came to BYU to do, which was to play volleyball. 
I refused to allow those racist bigots to feel any degree of satisfaction from thinking that their comments had gotten to me. So I pushed through and finished the game. Therefore, on behalf of my African-American teammates and I, we do not want to receive pity or to be looked at as helpless. We do not feel as though we are victims of some tragic, unavoidable events. We are proud to be young African-American women. We are proud to be Duke student-athletes, and we are proud to stand up against racism, end quote. BYU Athletics issued the following statement Saturday. All of God's children deserve love and respect, and BYU Athletics is completely committed to leading out in abandoning attitudes and actions of prejudice of any kind and rooting out racism. When a student athlete or a fan comes to a BYU sporting event, we expect that they will be treated with love and respect and feel safe on our campus. It is for this reason BYU has banned a fan who was identified by Duke during last night's volleyball match from all BYU athletic venues. Although this fan was sitting in BYU student section, this person is not a BYU student. To say we are extremely disheartened in the actions of a small number of fans in last night's volleyball match in the Smith Fieldhouse between BYU and Duke is not strong enough language. We will not tolerate behavior of this kind. Specifically, the use of a racial slur at any of our athletic events is absolutely unacceptable, and BYU Athletics holds a zero-tolerance approach to this behavior. We wholeheartedly apologize to Duke University, and especially its student-athletes competing last night for what they experienced. We want BYU athletic events to provide a safe environment for all, and there is no place for behaviors like this in our venues. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo addressed the crowd at Saturday's Washington State BYU match. Here are his comments. For those, for those who don't know me, my name is Tom Homo. I'm the athletic director at BYU. At last night's game, there were some egregious and hurtful slurs that were directed at members of the Duke University women's volleyball team. I'm the athletic director, and I'm accountable for what happens in all our athletic events. And with that in mind, the process to get better and to heal has already begun, as you can see, and you'll see a little bit more often. I want you to know that this morning I visited with the young athlete on Duke's team and her coach. If you would have met her, you would have loved her. But you don't know her, and so you don't feel that way. As children of God, we are responsible. It's our mission to love one another and treat everybody with respect. And that didn't happen. We fell very short. We didn't live up to our best. I asked that everyone at all of our games that represent BYU, that you will have the courage to take a stand and be able to take care of each other, and more importantly, the guests, our guests who we invite to come and play here so that we can be disciples of Christ and show it in every way. I love how Cougar Nation, how The Rock and all our fans are incredibly in support of our teams. 
cheer them on as loud as you can, but do not cross the line where you would hurt or harm anyone in any way. Love you, Cougs. Thanks. BYU head volleyball coach Heather Olmstead said the following in a statement released yesterday. Racism in any form has no place at BYU or anywhere else. I apologize for what the Duke student-athletes experienced during our match on Friday. We must do better. I have been able to have productive conversations with the student-athlete who was impacted the most Friday night. Rachel Richardson, the Duke volleyball team captain and the Duke volleyball head coach. They have helped me understand areas where we can do better. I thank them for taking the time to speak with me. I want the very best for them and the entire Duke team. Let us be clear. There is no room for racism at BYU in any form. The racist actions of an individual and the inaction of other individuals to stop this behavior ultimately reflect poorly on the school, the athletic department, and all those associated with them. Do not participate in or tolerate this type of racist behavior at any event. It is important that we create a welcoming and safe environment for any athlete or coach who competes for or against BYU. As representatives of BYU and fellow fans of the Cougars, we wholeheartedly ask all of you to do better and be better. This is BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now live from Studio C, it's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio C presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, August 29th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, once again teamed up alongside Jerem Jordan. Heavy emotions today, Spence. I don't think we can easily turn on a dime from what we just addressed to, to sports. Normally, this is uh, a day that we're very excited about. It's game week for football. Women's soccer's got an afternoon matinee we're going to talk about against Colorado. Women's volleyball played really well over the weekend. It's the start of school. We don't have homework. That's a good thing, but uh, shout out to all the students. Best yeah. of luck for the new semester. Uh, Tate's in the BYU preschool, so excited for him. But uh, this is difficult. Uh, heavy emotions because we had an, a racist incident on campus that is intolerable in every way, shape, and form and cannot happen and cannot happen again. And uh, as we talked about, this, this is an ugly incident that really affects real people. And so it's hard to navigate the emotions and excitement of what sports brings and what we bring to the table on, the, on this show with uh, the, the incident that is one of the worst, if not the worst, in, in school history, perhaps. It is naturally tough to compartmentalize this type of thing. Uh, but that is what we will attempt to do on today's show because we also understand that for the last nine years we have developed a protocol and um, we have an obligation to keep BYU fans up to date with news and information as it pertains to live sporting events. So this is not to say by moving on to other things that we are glossing over such a significant subject, which is why we opened the show the way that we did and uh, released the statements um, from Rachel Richardson specifically. But we will do our job today and we'll address the things that are happening within BYU sports, including a game day today for BYU women's soccer and certainly the opening of game week for BYU football. So with that 
said and compartmentalizing those things, we now address today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. It's football game week, finally. Cougars preparing for South Florida Saturday, 4 Eastern on ESPNU and right here on BYU Radio as well. Cougars have a press conference today, are expected to release the first depth chart of the season. BYU, by the way, is wearing all white with navy trim against the Bulls. We'll show you those coming up later in the week. Tyler Algier and several Cougars in the National Football League wrapped up their respective preseason scenarios. Algier had 26 yards on the ground, scored twice in a 28-12 win against the Jaguars. Good to see Tyler get into the end zone. Neil Pau making his case to make the Bills squad. Four catches, 46 yards, and a loss against the Panthers. But we just learned that he was indeed released by the Bills this morning. We'll see if he did enough to maybe get picked up on a practice squad somewhere. Dax Milne had four catches for 37 yards for the Washington Commanders in a loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Number nine women's soccer beats number 20 Ohio State Friday 2-0 with a brace from Jamie Shepard bringing it at that attacking mid spot. Cougars are 2-0 now, host number 25 Colorado today in the home opener. Uh, afternoon game, 5 Eastern on the BYU TV and BYU Radio apps. As it pertains to the actual volleyball that was played over the weekend, number 10 BYU beat Ryder in a sweep three sets to none, beat Duke three sets to one, and then looked very, very dominant in a three sets to none win over Washington State. The Cougars expecting to stay in the top 10 after going 3-0 in their opening invitational. Things get more more and more challenging as they push forward for their second invitational as many weeks. Utah State be number 12 UCLA coming in Thursday, Cincinnati Friday, number six Pitt on Saturday. The only team to beat BYU in the regular season, although Pitt lost to San Diego, by the way, yeah. over the weekend. Ronnie Jones-Perry, former Copper Hills High star and BYU legend, led Team USA women's volleyball to a bronze in the Pan American Cup. 24 points on 20 kills and four aces in that bronze medal match. Ashley Hatch continues her dominant run in professional women's soccer. She had two goals on two shots in two minutes. Okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> the Washington Spirit, 2-2 draw with the Houston Dash. Michaela Clough played 65 minutes for the Orlando Pride and a 2-1 loss to the OL Reign. It is time, and we all need this today, to rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. We directly addressed what is obviously trending to open up today's show, centering on what happened at the Duke-BYU women's volleyball match last Friday night. And frankly, moving forward, we as a collective group at BYU Sports Nation and at BYU TV wholeheartedly support any productive discussion about how we can all rise above racism and be better. And so it's that phrase, be better and do better, that we will focus on today. And we will try and have positive energy and do what we can one step at a time moving forward. We noted it's a huge week within BYU sports. And that's where we go now as we look at not just a game day for BYU women's soccer, but game week for 25th ranked BYU football, who open up an intriguing game in Tampa at the home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against USF, a place that BYU lost three years ago. I remember. Jeremy, this time around, BYU was an 11.5 point favorite. The Cougars were a heavy favorite going into the last game in 2019, too. That did not turn out in favor of BYU. But when you look at that line and everything that BYU brings back, Jaron Hall, the quarterback, ton of experience on the offensive line, ton of weapons around him, and we think an improved defense. 
Does that 11.5 point favorite line for BYU say more about the Cougars or is it more about South Florida? I'm going to say the Bull Spence because if I gave you blind, blind uh, line ranked team versus 2-10 and 10 team, would it be 11.5? I would feel like it'd be closer to that 17-plus range. I think people think, <clears throat> especially in Vegas, that the South Florida Bulls are going to be improved. They're going to be a little bit better. Also, BYU preseason typically not going to be hailed as this team that's just going to come in and go bombs away against the Bulls. Tons of production coming back from South Florida. That production didn't play well last year. So that's not necessarily a good thing, right? You almost want an injection of life, which they had. They got five new transfer portal guys to shore up the run defense. They had a good offensive line. Jared Mangum back at running back. He had 15 touchdowns. We've mentioned it. Gary Bohannon comes over from Baylor. USF is a team that needed better quarterback play. Timmy McClain played pretty well in this game last year. It's an eight-point win for BYU. If, if Gary Bohannon's in that game, like maybe South Florida <laughs> cuts that to one or wins based on – how things went. Timmy McClain kept things alive, but they only threw six touchdown passes as a team. Gary Bohannon's going to throw for, you'd think, 15 to 25 this year. So uh, that line says more about the perceived possible improvement of Jeff Scott's South Florida team than BYU, because if BYU's truly the 25th best team in the country, and I think they're like the 17th, then that line should be bigger. It is very interesting, and maybe this deals with the history of BYU struggles in Florida too, right? Because our friends Vegas in, digging in pretty deep. Our if that's friends the case. in the desert pay attention. We're friends with them closely. <laughs> Are you Brent Musburger? <laughs> that that is a shout out to Brent Musburger. <laughs> um, they pay attention to things like this, like also just East Coast two, two opener, time zones, sure, humid, sure. It's hot. Uh, as good as we think BYU is just maybe with that returning production and an upgraded quarterback, yeah, maybe, maybe South Florida makes things a little bit more interesting. BYU's also getting an upgraded quarterback from what happened in the bowl game. Like, it was rainy. Baylor Romney didn't have a great game in it. Now Jaron Hall's back. Sure, and healthy, right? Right. Jaron Hall's back. A healthy Jaron Hall, you would think, with that offensive line. I don't even care if Jaron Hall didn't have, like, really any – Options to throw to. That offensive line with him behind and the running game that BYU should be able to put together with the offensive line should wear down USF. You hope so. And watch that in the second half, especially when it gets hot and humid and, and pickle juice is being consumed at a uh, just unworldly level uh, by BYU. Um, can BYU run down South Florida and make this, uh, make this that kind of game? Although I can see where Jaron Hall just comes out like gangbusters, throws for 335 and four touchdowns. It was like, dude, sure. the, the aerial assault is back. Not saying he can't. Maybe BYU scores quickly and they build a lead, and then it becomes, okay, we dare you to stop us as we go into just maintaining the ball. I and, think and running, like having these long, sustained yes. drives. And I think you're, you were on this first of the idea of, mm, this might be closer than we think. Like, again, BYU should go and win this game by – 17 plus. They should. If they're 25th best team in the country and South Florida is better, how much better do we think they're going to be? Five and seven? Seven and five? Like five, plus five games yeah, would be the, quite the a goal bit. for USF. BYU should go in and dominate. But first game, East Coast, re, uh, re, revamped energy from South Florida. Da, 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 da. BYU's not ex like as healthy as maybe we wanted coming out of fall camp at certain positions, right? Then, then it may be closer than we think, but BYU's going to go and win this game. It's just, what is that score? How much will the heat and humidity and the two time zones and the travel, and frankly, 
the weird feelings of a history that includes a lot of struggles in Florida impact BYU? Well, the guys that won that game in Florida are on this team for the most sure, part. Sure. So guy, that's good news. What's interesting is a lot of the guys that lost to South Florida are also still on this team. True. But maybe the, that the, motivates them. The losses in Florida were to, like, Florida State, Miami, like, really good team. UCF, right? It, it wasn't South Florida, you know what I'm saying? 11.5-point favorite for BYU. And we are how many days away? Countdown to the Bulls. Five days away. Five days away from an actual BYU wow. ball game. We made it to game week. It's Time amazing. to start getting some answers to all of the questions that we presented for the last five And months. even then, we did a few games. You know what I mean? We'll see a game we and we're, like, we're not to, like, we have all the answers. We begin yeah. to get some answers. Yeah. Not all. We, we start that process. We open up the book. Our question of the day, does BYU football being that 11.5-point favorite against USF say more about the Cougars or the Bulls? You've heard what we have to say. Now we want your opinions. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in from Luke Sonny, and I'm guessing on that last name, S-O-N-N-E. He says, I think it's giving USF some of the respect they deserve it's an away game with long travel. A blowout would be a surprise. A blowout to me is 17 plus. If you win by three scores and seven years ago, then boom, you're in a position to have beaten that opponent handily. So we'll, we'll see. I just want to win. Honestly, like if BYU wins by five, we'll go. Probably should have been more, but at the end of the day, just go and win go and then win. Baylor. Go, go okay? and win. Be 1-0 coming home to Provo be for an emotional vengeance match against Baylor, who's going to be a top 10 team. Yes, if it's close, we're going to be concerned. But still, coming up, cut day in the NFL. How many undrafted rookie Cougs are going to make it? Week one, game one. And ESPN's Trevor Maddich joins us to share what exactly he's looking for in BYU's 2022 debut. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. The national runners-up and number nine BYU women's soccer team has the home opener this afternoon, 5 Eastern time, against 25th-ranked Colorado on the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Bro, you're back at Southfield for a game for this team that did so well last year and is coming off the massive win. Yes, huge road win against Ohio State. Colorado spoke with their coach, Danny Sanchez, and he's like, look, I know our stats are impressive through three games. We have played nobody even close to the level of BYU. It's going to be a great game. We know what a challenge it will be to go to Southfield. Great Monday afternoon game. Absolutely. We are live in Studio C. This is your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. We are so happy to report that a series of Maddich Mondays begins right now. Trevor Maddich, ESPN college football insider expert, Longtime friend of the program, all-around good man, is back to discuss a game week, Trevor. College football is back. How you feeling? Yeah, awesome. I mean, this was the most momentous, tumultuous, exciting offseason I've ever seen in my entire life. And now we get to see how it's going to play out on the field. I can't wait for kickoff in week one. Week zero was great, but week one, incredible. I never thought I'd be interested in watching UConn play football. But they played Utah State, Uh, so I watched that game. Utah State ends up winning that. But let's talk about BYU and South Florida. One of the Vegas lines says 11.5 points, uh, you know, uh, a line for BYU to win by. Does that say more about the Cougars or the Bulls? What do you think? 
Uh, I think there's a lot of respect for the Cougars, but I think that the Bulls are underrated. Last year, they really struggled in a lot of ways. But this is a team that is the second most experienced team coming back in all of college football. Second only, by the way, to BYU's experience coming back. But they have upgraded in a lot of places. And if BYU is not careful, if they're looking ahead to Baylor, they might find themselves hitting the mouth in the South Florida sun. So they've got to be real careful of this Bulls team because they are very good. Trevor Maddich of ESPN with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, we brought up the line. You think USF is underrated. So what are you expecting to see from BYU specifically going to Florida where they've had some struggles, but we think this is a way better and improved BYU team. What do you expect to see from BYU with a tough opening road test in the heat and humidity of Tampa? I expect to see the offensive line perform like we think they will. This offensive line is as deep and talented as I've ever seen there. They have a chance to be one of the greatest O-lines ever to play at BYU as a group. But this will be a test. People are thinking fans are looking ahead to Baylor. But last year, the USF defensive front was a bit of a liability. So they brought in five transfers from the SEC, the Big Ten, the ACC. All of a sudden now there's talent and there's depth there. So I expect the offensive line to step up and show us that they are who we think they are. And I expect the defense to generate more of a pass rush. That's one of the keys for their entire season. Get more pass rush from the D linemen and then get more pressures on the quarterbacks from blitzes. So those two things I think are going to be the keys to start to look for. This is such a weird game for so many reasons. And let's talk about it and get your opinion on this. Obviously, South Florida stunk last year, 2-10. and 10. This is a team that played BYU last year in Provo. Eight-point game. It was kind of weird. BYU jumps out 21-0. South Florida comes back. BYU ices it away, but everyone doesn't know. Oh, with, with like 220 left, they have no timeouts. Oh, it's over. We didn't realize it. It's not the same quarterback. It's uh, Gary Bohannon from Baylor. Like, coming into this matchup, Trevor, uh, BYU feels like they have the urgency and being on guard. It could certainly be a trap game with Baylor next week at home, but because BYU lost there in 2019 as well, and Jaron Hall got knocked out of that, it feels like the Bulls totally have BYU's attention. What are your thoughts on everything around and in this matchup? Well, around and in this matchup, I mean, the Bulls think they should have won last year in Provo. And the Bulls know that they're better now than they were last year. You talked about quarterback Bohannon, who transferred in from Baylor. He's a, a serious dual-threat quarterback, and he can make plays. Last year's Bulls quarterback was a freshman, and he grew into the role as the season went on, but he wasn't the threat that Bohannon will be to BYU. They've got, uh, as people remember from last year, as BYU fans will, they've got a 230-pound running back. And when he gets rolling downhill, he's a load to tackle. They've got speed at wide receiver. The, the linebackers for South Florida as a group are one of the better groups of linebackers in the AAC. You know, Houston, Cincinnati, really South Florida is kind of in that conversation for one of the best groups. And so this is a, a game that I think South Florida is going to come out on fire. And it's, it's like BYU is going to try to come out and, and jump on them early. If they do, I think it'll be a tremendous accomplishment because South Florida is going to give BYU everything they've got right out of the gate. And what they've got is a lot more than most BYU fans understand right now. Yeah, Jaron Mangum is that uh, running back. 6'2", 231, 15 rushing touchdowns, Spence, last year. They've got some guys that can absolutely play. <laughs> as has players. been well documented by uh, Trevor here and us leading up to this game. 
Trevor, we've been discussing BYU individuals, the personnel there. Uh, we obviously love Jaron Hall. We think the offensive line is going to be really stout. And in sports, we often discuss X factors. Well, at BYU, we discuss Y factors. So who, in your opinion, is going to be the Y factor for BYU in this game in determining things and, and really making a huge impact that maybe is a little off the radar for BYU? Well, he's not necessarily off the radar, but Christopher Brooks, the running back transfer from Cal, is going to be a big part of BYU's success this year. There's a lot of pressure on him. Lapini Katoa is back. They've got a stable of running backs, but to replace Tyler Algier, you're replacing uh, a, a All-America caliber playmaker not just in the running game, but in the passing game. And so they'll need to use a bit of a committee. But right now, Brooks is the guy that I think a lot of people are looking for to see what kind of a playmaker he can be, especially behind that offensive line. So I would look there first. The BYU running back position, not just Brooks, but that position. Can they hold up and make the plays they need to make in order to keep BYU even with the sticks and to keep the defense off the field? And if they don't, you have one of the better quarterbacks BYU's had in a minute, right? Jaron Hall had a tremendous uh, junior season. Uh, you know, it, and with COVID, you know, he, I think he has eligibility uh, next year. I don't know if this is his second season, whatever. He's got two years of eligibility, probably his last year. Jaron Hall and these weapons for BYU and offense with that O-line, you'd think there's a the run game. If it's not there, Jaron Hall played well in this game three years ago, and we, we believe that he's way more developed uh, in 2022 after a full season, right? So what do you expect in game one out of QB1? What I want to see from Jaron Hall is to not go out there and be a hero. Don't go out and try to validate what's being said about him nationally, that he is one of the sleeper, sneaky, great quarterbacks in college football this season potentially. Because if he does that, then he'll be outside of the system and he'll be forcing the ball places. There's enough talent in the skill positions at BYU that all he needs to do is distribute, take what's there. Understand that that uh, a five-yard gain on first down with a short pass is his friend because now it's second and five, right? And then if he gets the third and two, it's still a win. And so to understand that part of it, I know he understands it, but sometimes in the heat of the moment, quarterbacks that are accustomed to being playmakers, that are expected to be playmakers, in the heat of the moment will revert to trying to make every play a touchdown. And I think this BYU team is good enough that they don't need one guy to be a superstar to make up for deficiencies elsewhere. This offense needs to distribute the ball properly to the right place at the right time. And I want to see that out of Jaron Hall in this opener because to beat Baylor, they will have to do that. Trevor, everybody talks about wanting to get off to a fast start. Obviously, BYU wants to make a statement early in this game. Are you, are you a buyer or a believer in that idea that the team that starts quickly will win the game most of the time? Or is, have we evolved away from that and football is just so long that it, it's not, it gets too much credit? What do you think? Well, if you jump out to an early lead, you've got an early lead. You've got points that the other side needs to overcome, right? So, I mean, that's, that's you know, the, the advantage of jumping out early. But overall – Emotion won't carry you over the course of a game. Yeah. Emotion can jump you out to a big lead. But if your emotion then will fade, and it will, then from there the team that executes best will win, and the team with the most talent will win. So you don't want to get so far behind that the, the when the other team comes out with so much emotion that they just jump out on a big score and it takes you out of your game plan. And all, you, don't, you don't want that to happen. But at the same time, I think BYU is mature enough to understand. They've got guys that have been around football and life a lot. 
and they're mature enough to understand the way this game goes. And if things are going right in the moment, the thing to do next is run the next play and win the next play. That's it, right? Have that kind of perspective. So emotion is important, but execution will trump it every time. You played on perhaps several of the greatest offensive lines in BYU history. You said this team might have one that's up there or could be the greatest. Other than looking at rushing stats and, uh, you know, third first downs and, and points, obviously, what are you going to be watching with this O-line that will indicate whether they are dominating and being that kind of group that they can be or not? Tackles for loss. They have to keep the opponent from getting behind the line to either make tackles for loss on the running game or make the running backs cut around a defender that gets penetration, either because he comes clean or because he pushes an O-lineman back into the backfield. Um that's the first thing. The second thing is, does the quarterback have time to go through his progressions and then step into the throw properly? A pass rush doesn't have to sack the quarterback. If the pass rush can constrict the pocket, make the quarterback move off his spot a little, and then make it so he can't really step into the throw the way he wants to, it messes with the timing and the accuracy. And so those are the two things I want to see. Uh, is South Florida getting behind the line and disrupting the running backs before they can get to the line? And is South Florida constricting the pocket such that Jaron Hall needs to move too much and he can't stride into his throws enough? If BYU's O-line avoids those two things, then regardless of stats, you'll know that they're doing a good job. Trevor, we obviously have discussed a ton of known entities for BYU, and we feel like we have a pretty good idea of who they are and what they are going to be. And I've asked you this before, but because it's game week and maybe your opinion has changed on the matter, what is your remaining biggest question about this BYU football team for the, for the most part brings back the entirety of its core from last year's 10-win team? Yeah, and, and, it, and it's what we've talked about over the course of this offseason, Spencer. It is the pass rush and the pass rush from the defensive line. And last year, I think they were unfairly maligned for not getting to the quarterback enough because they had so many injuries. I mean, they had epic injuries on the D-line. And by the time they faced Baylor last year, they were pretty much out of people. But that actually is good for this season because a lot of those backups that weren't expected to play as much as they had to late last year got a lot of experience and they understand what it takes, not just to play, but to prepare. And that creates more depth in the off on the defensive line and it creates a bit more skill. And that skill is important, too, with preparation and practice and camp because they're going in practice against one of the best offensive lines they will face. And that's critical because Baylor and Notre Dame and Arkansas and Oregon and, 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 these are some of the most physical offensive lines in all of college football. And I think USF will be, will be improved on the O-line, but they won't be the, that caliber. But this D-line in practice had to go against that caliber of offensive line and to succeed, their skill had to improve. They couldn't just overpower those guys. I know when I was playing, our nose guard, Brad Smith, was the best nose guard I faced all year mm. in practice, right? And so that made most games feel like they were pretty easy. <laughs> and the defensive line has had the, the concept that we talk about in football all the time, that iron sharpens iron. And so I, th I think they're in position, if they stay healthy, to show us a different level of disruption than they were able to show us last season. But it really is the key to the season for BYU. Mm. Can the defensive line get behind the line to disrupt the running game and affect the quarterback without having to blitz? Because then, with the corners that they have, if BYU does blitz and brings a fantastic group of linebackers to pressure, then a lot of good things can happen. But it has to start up front with the D-line. 
81st in uh, opponent yards per carry. Not good enough, right? Yet, BYU went 10-3. and three. A lot of that is because they didn't turn the ball over, right? Do you expect BYU to take care of the ball in the same manner they did last year? Because last year feels like that's about as good as it gets. Yeah, it, it really was. And when you look at some of their losses last year, the, the main feature was – Turnovers, right? I mean, bad turnovers, terrible time. Running back, rips off a big run, gets just inside the 20 going in, fumbles the ball away, right? Big momentum. And next thing you know, the the opponent has the ball. Things like that. And so that's one of the things that this coaching staff is able to coach very well with this group of people. We talk about BYU's maturity, the maturity of players, so many return missionaries, older guys, things like that. And it has a lot of that has to do with the, the small fundamentals. Turnovers, nobody wants to have a turnover, but small fundamentals of how you hold the ball, of how a receiver looks the ball in and what he does during that process. Those are small details that great athletes tend to overlook because they're great athletes, but those things lead to turnovers. I think BYU is a team as a whole that responds to coaching on those tiny details rather than overlooking them because they want to make the splash play. Trevor, let's finish with this. Uh, Aside from BYU and USF, give me one other game that BYU fans should pay attention to in week one. In week one, oh, Ohio State and Notre Dame. And the reason for that is that Ohio State in the last several years has become the Big Ten's version of of stereotypical Oklahoma, where they would have the first pick in the draft at quarterback, Heisman winner at quarterback, they'd make the playoff, and they'd score 45 points and give up 48, right? Because the defense wasn't good. (laughs) The last couple of years, Ohio State's defense – made the, the the cardinal mistakes that any high school defense should never make. And that is they didn't stand in the right place and look at the right guy. And opponents would rip off massive plays, not because they beat a Buckeye athlete, but because the Buckeye athlete wasn't where he was supposed to be. And so they have a new defensive coordinator, Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. And this Notre Dame offense has one of the best running games in all of college football as well. If Ohio State is not in the right place on defense, Notre Dame will gash them Mm. on the ground. And so everybody's saying that Ohio State, along with Georgia and Alabama, are the three teams most likely to win the national championship. For Ohio State, that will only happen if their defense takes a big leap forward. And this opener against Notre Dame, not only is it awesome to have Notre Dame playing at Ohio State, that's incredible, but it will tell us a lot about the national championship race as well. Great stuff. Trevor, always fun to talk with you. We're super stoked that the football is back and that, more importantly, Maddich Mondays are back. Thanks for the time. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich of ESPN, bringing it on BYU Sports Nation. Also keep an eye on uh, Oregon, Georgia. Oregon going into Atlanta against the defending national champs. That one could get ugly. Also, speaking of ugly, Utah State at Alabama. The line is 41 and a half mm-hmm. for a G5 Returning champ. Yeah. Are you kidding me? That that's the respect that that's Alabama it? has I and deserves. It'd be Fifty. Just kidding. No, it, it's like, wow, that's crazy. So there's some really compelling opponent matchups to keep an eye on. Ah, so great to have football. And Baylor plays like an FCS. Team. Let's go. Baylor plays an FCS team. Come on, man. Let's go. Okay, coming up. What do we make of Utah State and Wyoming's Week Zero performances? Yeah. Plus BYU. <laughs> The football team's going to wear white pants on Saturday, Jerem. So does that mean Like I, you on the sidelines. Does that mean I have to wear my white pants? Uh, yes. This is BYU Sports Nation. I think you will regardless. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group. 
serving Utah since 1968. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Join us coming up at 2 Eastern for the season premiere of Coordinator's Corner on the BYU TV app. Gregor Bell chats with all three Cougar coordinators, Les Tuiaki, Aaron Roderick, and Ned Lamb, they look ahead to South Florida on Saturday. He is Jerem. I am Spencer. It's time to whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Maris, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. It's NFL Cut Day. So how many undrafted rookie Cougars in the NFL will make 53-man rosters? Undrafted rookie Cougars. Well, I thought Neil Pau had a great chance. He was cut this morning. Bill's a pretty talented. That'd be hard to make that roster, yeah, as oh, we saw. Oh, man. Jeremy, I'm going to go with one. Okay. I think it might be James Empey. And who knows? That might have come out. Like, we, we may know or not know at this point. Like, but I think it's, James Empey had a great camp with yes. the Cowboys. There's only three guys we're talking about. It's Neil. It's Samson. Nakua and it's James Empey. So I hope it's one. I hope it's two. I think it will be zero. Uh, but the hope is that all three stick on a practice squad with someone. We saw Taysom Hill, remember, as an undrafted free agent, get cut by the Packers, picked up and valued by someone else in a unique way. If that happens with those three guys, hopefully they get a chance. Of that certainly can happen. Yeah. On to college football in week zero, Utah State had to rally down 14 <laughs> nothing on their home field yeah. against UConn. Utah State was a 24-point favorite in this game. I was they rallied for the Huskies. and won. Wyoming got beat up by Illinois. So of those two future BYU opponents that had yeah. week zero games, Jerem, what jumped out to you about the Aggies and the Cowboys? Utah State looked the part later, but that's a closer game. That was a 26 and a half point line, by the way. And then Wyoming looked terrible. Andrew Peasley, Utah State transferred to Wyoming, by the way, uh, 30 yards passing. So Wyoming looked terrible against Illinois. Sorry, did they play Ohio State? No, they played Illinois. Uh, both didn't look great. I believe Utah State's going to be a, a tough game regardless. Wyoming did not look great in week one, week zero. Utah State played like a team that thought that they were supposed to win by 26. Well, it's just sloppy. It kind of took a little bit to wake them up. And then they, they, week, they did, but it's first a week game. zero game. It's uh, late it's, August. Like, whatever. I'm not going to read too much into the idea that Utah State struggled at times with UConn. It's tough to walk down the hill from the creamery after <laughs> eating a bunch of that. They will, Utah State cream, will be you know? better by the time they roll into Provo in yeah. late September. No, that's sure. going to be a good game. But I do now, having seen what Utah State has, they're not as good as BYU, and I expect. And they're BYU not as good as last year, clearly. To handle their business. Yeah. Yeah. BYU beat Utah State in Logan last year. Now they got them in Provo. Utah State's not as good. We think BYU is as good, if not better, I, than last. I think year. BYU is going to have to beat Utah State as opposed to Tyler Ogier beating yes. <laughs> Utah State last year. So, uh, but I think BYU should absolutely roll Wyoming. Uh, oh Wyoming yeah, yeah, looked yeah. No, no, awful. No, no. Is Jamie Shepard going to fill the hole up by Michaela Coolahan? Certainly a great indicator with a brace against Ohio State on the weekend. Well, she certainly is going to fill the spot by necessity. But, the oh, man, like that type of production, that's a lot to ask of Jamie Shepard. So how does she be Jamie Shepard this season? I think by nature, Jamie is, uh, well, yeah. I don't want to say unselfish because Michaela Kulan is a very unselfish player, even though she scored yeah, so many goals, and, right? Yeah, you can do both. It's just, 
Yeah, I think we have to give Jamie time to ascend to something close to the stratosphere that Michaela Coolahan was in. So I think she's going to do a great job. Uh, but don't, to be fair to Jamie, do not expect the stats that Michaela Coolahan yeah. put up. Jamie Shepard is not Michaela Coolahan. But Michaela Coolahan is not Jamie Shepard either. No, Jamie's like, a Jamie, more physical player than Michaela. Jamie is. can be Jamie, and that's going to man manifest itself in a different way. She is a tremendous leader and player. It's going to be exciting to watch her in that uh, attacking midfield 10 spot. Hey, great start. Yep. Hope she, hey, I'll take another brace against Colorado today. Hey, keep it going. What did we learn about the BYU women's volleyball team after they swept through the weekend? Looked very impressive on Saturday night against Washington State, no doubt. Certainly after Friday night's uh, incident, there could have absolutely been... Uh, off the rails! Yes, could have absolutely been off the rails. Uh, they did a great job of focusing on what they could do, because this is certainly uh, a bigger-than-the-team thing. But they were very focused and dialed yeah. in in a yeah. match that could have been hard to play, given the emotions of the terrible racist incident that happened Friday night. I was impressed by BYU's ability to focus on that match, which was way bigger than a volleyball match. They are mentally tough. I'm with you. Like to watch what they did on Saturday night told me that this team is mature and they are mentally tough, which is exactly what their coach Heather Olmstead is. And she is mentally tough. Yep. And and uh, yeah, this is a this is a tough time as BYU figures out how best to proceed because that was terrible and they know it was terrible and, and said as much. So now you have a volleyball season to play, uh, and like we talked about, that's emotionally hard to put those two things in the same space, and it's hard to you don't want to discount one yeah. for the other because it can't be that can't happen again. Yet it does affect this team in a way that uh, they could have never seen before. It wasn't the volleyball team that did this but they are certainly affected by it. Well, they're gonna be challenged again emotionally and physically this week with some other high-level opponents coming into Provo. And by the way, no rock student section behind the servers in that space. Frankly, my opinion, I'm, I will be surprised if we see students in that space for a little while, if at all. Like, certainly BYU has to assess what's best. So, change already happened. Yeah, change already happened. All right, Jerem. BYU will be wearing the all-whites with navy trim for the South Florida season opener. Here it is, if you haven't seen it. Woo! Ooh, I like it. I like it. It looks clean. Do you approve? But the all-whites are curt. Nope, they're not. BYU's won a bunch of games recently in the all-whites. I love Including how Including in Florida, in the Boca Raton Bowl in the last game Exactly. The last Sipping time, Tropicana orange juice. The last the time BYU time. played in Florida, they wore all-whites. This is a smart move. It's going to be hot and muggy and probably rain a little bit. All-whites will look sleek. They will keep the players as cool as they can possibly. Yep. Like, this is the right move, and the mojo is good in the all-whites. I absolutely I, approve. Also, I give all the mojo of whatever happened in the Boca Raton Bowl in the one win, because Brittany had a baby. You weren't there. So here you go. I'm going to hand it to you. Take mojo. It. Taking take the mojo. It. You take it to Florida with Otherwise you. known as the karma, and we're going <laughs> to hand it off in Florida. Let's go. It has been, trend, it's been transferred. That mojo has a name, and it was Zach Wilson <laughs> in 2020. Coming up, today's Rise and Shadow. And it's a busy day of BYU sports. We'll tell you what you can expect and where you need to be, when you need to be there, how to watch it, coming up on BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
That further review gets you ready for BYU in South Florida in the season opener. Tomorrow night, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app with a preview from Dave, Blaine, and David. Our question of the day, does BYU, as an 11.5-point favorite in their football season opener at USF, say more about the Cougars or the Bulls? At Blue Goggles says, doesn't matter. BYU will win by three tutties. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Jaron Hall is going to ball out. I guarantee it. Go Cougs. Why stay out there? Just let it rhyme. Right. Jaron Hall's going to ball. Well, out. You know what? Yeah, it just doesn't, it just doesn't any, work for me. Anytime you use tutties, that deserves the elite <laughs> voice of the day, which, by the way, is sponsored by our friends at Sundance Mountain Resort. Tutties, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I think BYU's going to show up in this, but I think your point's super valid of, well, it may be closer than you think. Rain, rain is like 60, a game changer 50% too. chance of rain right now. Right now. Okay. Today's Rise and Shoutout, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. And it is to the future of a welcoming atmosphere at all BYU athletic events because of the efforts of all of us to do better. As Tom Homo said in his comments on Saturday, and I quote, as children of God, it's our mission to love one another and treat everybody with respect, end quote. It'll be through all of our efforts to not participate in or tolerate in any form racism, and that is how we can accomplish getting better. It's not enough, as it's been said and we agree with, to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. If you hear something, you cannot tolerate that. And so uh, hopefully, you know, immediately we have that kind of serious tenor at all athletic events. I was hoping we would before. I was disappointed that this happened Friday. But uh, we will be better. We have to be better. This cannot happen again. It can't. Amen to that. All right, busy day coming up on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Yeah, coordinators coming up at 2 Eastern time uh, on the BYU TV app. And, of course, tonight, 5 Eastern time, ninth-ranked BYU women's soccer taking on 25th-ranked Colorado on the BYU TV and BYU Radio. Top 25 matchup for the home opener. Hey! Thanks to today's guest, Trevor Maddish of ESPN. Sorry to Dennis Pitter, ran out of time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag BYU. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout-out to Elaine Michaelis. We'll see you at 2 Eastern on the BYU TV app for Coordinator's Corner with Greg Rebell, Aaron Roderick, Elias Tuiak, and Ed Lamb on the agenda. Go Cougs! Thank <laughs> you.